welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season cardholders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. It was a case of deja vu for the Bears at the stoop as a handsome halftime lead went up in smoke against Quinns. But there was a quantum of solace for Bears fans as the women's team recorded a fifth straight win away at Harlequins. Also in the show, we'll look ahead to the next game away at Newcastle with our friends from Folk on Falcons podcast. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Gentlemen, uh, good to see you both again. Um, I think Miles was so disillusioned on Friday night. He's uh, he's just not turned up, has he? He's not bothered, has he? I'm worried for him. I'm worried about him. He's had a good run though, hasn't he? I mean, he's, what, he's, he's done about... 2030 now consecutive podcasts so he's uh you know, that's a good run for Miles. Remember the days when he used to miss them quite frequently? Just every other week, wouldn't it? Every, every, every other week. Well, I mean, I've heard potentially that maybe the Rolls-Royce has broken down and his Bentley's in having a service. So uh, he, he wouldn't lo- lower himself to an Uber. So uh, so we've got no Miles this week. Uh, Pete, how's your, how's your week been? <sighs> I don't know, Tone. I mean, every week it just melts into another, doesn't it? Um Bar Friday night, obviously, yeah, not a bad week. I've got a bit of a sore knee at the moment, actually, on account of falling down a hole that my daughter dug in the sand in the summer holidays, and it seems to have got worse. So, yeah, I'm not feel, I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself at the moment. Oh, dear. So that result didn't really uh, no. do anything to, to improve? Made, in fact, it made my knee feel worse. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Lee, I think you had, you had a day at the races, did you? On Was it Friday? Friday, Tony, yeah. I went to Chepstow. had a good day out. A 28-1 winner in the last race as well to, uh, to send me in with some money in the pocket, which I subsequently spent in the boozer after the racing. <laughs> now, but, yeah, good start to the weekend. And, and you saw someone famous in the racing world there as well, did you? Which one, mate? Loads, loads. Well, who, oh, who was that? Two. <laughs> who, who, who was that picture that you sent to us? Yeah. That, I mean, I I know very little about racing. I I thought that was Lionel Blair. <laughs> he did look a little bit. I think he was doing his Lionel Blair impression, but it was actually Mick, Mick Fitzgerald, even <laughs> who used to be quite a bit of a jockey back in the day. But um, I mean, the real reason was obviously uh, Alex Hammond. That's the real photograph that uh, that AD wanted. So uh, yeah, so we met two celebs absolutely brilliant both very professional doing their Sky Sports commentary um, uh, but you didn't give me any tips though that was the only thing oh shocking shocking alright boys well we can't put it off for much longer um, that game on Friday night uh, Quinns 52 Bristol 24 Lee let me come to you first um, Pat Shuffled the the deck a little bit on uh, when the team was announced on Thursday. Um, what were your thoughts looking at uh, who he put in? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was. <clears throat> I, I didn't think we were going to win the game. I, I mean, we did all suggest last week that I can't remember what score you said, Tone, but I think pretty much we were thinking it's going to be a tight game. But you know, I, I thought well, he did shuffle the deck, and I thought. The side that we put out would have been strong enough to put on a show. I certainly wasn't expecting the the full time resort that we actually got from you know the players that we had on the pitch. Um, but great to see Fitz Harden back in at eight. You know, and I think he's he's one of the future stars, isn't he, for us? So it's good to see um, the youngster back in. And how, how much of a difference did you do you think it made that Luatoa um, 
had to pull out at the last minute. Yeah, I mean, lo- losing Lua 2 is always going to be a, a massive loss, isn't it? But then, you know, we've got Jake Heenan, who's done a job for us, you know, whenever he's been called upon. And, you know, I, I wasn't upset at losing Lua 2, yes, but I wasn't that concerned that we'd lose that much that we'd get a paste in. I'll, I'll let Pete use the uh, the operative word later on, but I wasn't expecting the pasting that we got from the team that we had out, put it that way. No, decorator says he wasn't expecting the pasting. pasting. Uh, <laughs> right, Pete, let me come to you then, that first half. A uh, little bit of a scare early on, but uh, a forward pass ruled out a try mm. for them. Um, and then it was just like the old days, wasn't it? This mm. was the Bristol Bears we'd been waiting to see all season. Yeah, and... and- we weren't missing Steve Lewatour at all in that first half. And in fact, having Harding at eight showed, I think I referred to, we needed a bit of mobile filth, didn't we, uh, last week? And that's exactly what Harding gave us. I mean, we saw him running, offloading, tackling. He was all over the shop. And, and actually, you did wonder, why is it why is it taking this long to get him in the side? Um, and uh, despite what happened, I think that was a... That was that was Fitz Harding's half. Uh, he was, and that was very positive for 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 us and for all fans for future. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, we played well. We we went shoulder to shoulder with the champions. In fact, we went more than shoulder to shoulder. We were kind of on their shoulders because, you know, we scored those three tries. Everything we talked about last week that we weren't doing, we seemed to do. We were supporting. Yeah, we were we were looking up. We were finding space. Even Callum Sheedy had obviously listened to us because he first time he got the ball he chipped it over. Um, you know we looked good, and I know we were debating this before we started recording, Tony. But we also looked quite good in the first eight minutes of the second half. And it, at that point, I couldn't see the disaster that actually befell us coming. But well, let's did. Yeah, let, we'll let's, talk, it, let's yeah. talk about that first half. Uh, first try. Yeah. Lovely run by yeah. Randall, and how nice again is it to see Joycey getting over? Yeah, and I think and I think credit as well to Kerr. There's no point. This is the this is the kind of catch twenty two of of rugby is if you do well <laughs> to make a break. If you don't have anybody with you, you get isolated and often lose the ball. But the fair play to Jake Kerr carrying on from what he did last week on Randall's shoulder. Nice little pass. Kerr presented the ball and then Joycey did the right thing. He didn't faff around. He picked the thing up and, and ran over. It was a really good try. It was, it, was a, it was a really good team effort. And I think they said on commentary, it was it, it looked amazing that Joycey didn't knock it on because his yeah. body weight yeah. was right yeah, over yeah. the ball. But the, the way he managed to do it, pick it up and, you know, just launch himself forward yeah. was, was, was amazing. Lee, let me come to you on that second try. Um... Beautifully finished by Purdy, um, but I thought uh, Bedlow. It was absolute textbook, wasn't it? Yeah. That he just popped the ball to yeah. Purdy at the very last second, second drew, drew, drew the tackle. But Purdy still had a lot to do, didn't he? He did, but I mean that's why Purdy's in the team, isn't it? I mean that's exactly what Purdy does. He, you know, and it was it was like watching Bristol from last season wasn't it it was just offloading that pass it, it just that right split second in time and there was a lot to do but if anyone's going to finish that ball it's going to be Purdy isn't it and as soon as he gets ahead of steam we all know there's no stopping the guy it's Piston Purdy Piston Purdy and I love the little dummy check inside and unlike, straight over the unlike line. Lee who was pissed in Chepstow <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the younger listeners that uh, were, are, are, are listening tonight. Um, 
And then uh, and then we saw the forwards for the third try. Um, I think Holmes, uh, we, we just drove and drove at the line, yeah. didn't we? And then uh, eventually it came out to Charles. And who else would you want five metres out to, uh, to to throw the ball to to, to finish off, Pete? Uh, Charles would do. Yeah, Charles. And, uh, and he finished with a plomb, I think we'd, we'd say. So, Tony, uh, we'd had a let off early doors, but we'd ridden that. And, and at 20, 21 nil up, it was very hard not to be excited with obviously a slight reservation in the back of our minds. But at that point, I just thought, we've done the same. We clearly will have spoken about this. We can't let this happen again. We we know we've, we've played as well in this half as we played as well in that half in the semi-final. So surely, surely that we'll be able to manage this game out. And I think, you know... They they scored a very good try, didn't they, to make it twenty one seven. I mean that was a nice move off the the line out right across the the pitch. We had the penalty, didn't we, deep into the 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 end of the first half, and I thought brilliant, made the right decision. Sheedy took the points twenty four seven at half time. I think I put a tweet out on our account saying this looks like our barnstorming bears are back, um, and well. They they did start pretty well for that first five yeah they did five to ten minutes 12, didn't they, Pete? twelve phases stretching them backwards and forwards probing then we had an attacking line out and we had, we I remember because I actually went and watched this again we had an attacking line out we did a clever little thing where Kerr went on the dummy run Randall took the ball popped it inside to Adi Loken Adi Loken broke through got tackled a couple of yards from the line but at that point got the ball ripped off him by, you know, Caden Murley. And that was kind of it. That was kind of it for our attacking Mm. uh, prowess for the rest of the half. And then, you know, from that moment on, almost the unbelievable happened, really. Well, it did. Lee, let let, let me come to you. Um, they, they, They scored their second try in 47 minutes. By the time we got to 62 minutes, they'd added five tries. Um... That, that's a try every three minutes. I mean, yeah. you know, you can, you can be unlucky and off the boil a little bit, but to concede five tries in 15 minutes, all right, Fitzharding got... Uh, 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 Heenan got the yellow card for bringing down the mall, which is one of those things, I think it's very tough sometimes. Mm. Or, or, uh, but, you know, letter of the law, it was right. We were down to 14 men. But to concede that many tries in a fifteen-minute spell, something's wrong, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can you can blame you can point the finger at Wayne Barnes as much as you like for that second half and some of the decisions that went against us. I know some of the Bristol fans have done that, um, but I'd prefer to to get our heads around the fact that we we did concede that many tries and it was uh, a capitulation, wasn't it? I mean, it really was. And I think that it, Pete's just saying that about Adi and you know, getting the ball stripped. And but I think what that does, that just sets the tone. Then, if you can't, if you've got players on the field that you can't trust, then I think that just sets a little bit of doubt in the mind. And as soon as the seeds are sown, then you're facing an uphill battle. And I think that the. the if he goes, if we get a score from that, then we, we push on. We probably, we could win the game. But then you go right back. We don't score that. Then we concede. And then we concede again. Then we concede it. And, and 
it's something that we've something is not right, is it? Definitely not right in that team because for us to concede that that often, we've got to start getting this um, the mindset right. We've you know we've got to start you know we're a player down. We've got to start shoring things up. Everyone yeah. else would do it. And forty five unanswered points. I mean, what, what's your view on, you know, where it went wrong in that second half? Well, I think Lee's is right and touched on it that it when we went down to ten down to fourteen men, somebody has to take control on the pitch about what they're gonna do. Now we could say that Harding was a bit stupid, given that penalty led to a try, blah blah blah. But we were still trying to run the ball with fourteen men on the pitch. And we were getting we were we were getting mullered at the breakdown. We were getting isolated. They were and the ball was being turned over. Now, where was somebody to say we need to take the heat out of this game? We need to we need to protect the ball. We need to you know metaphorically and literally stick it up our jumper and run out run down this this ten minutes. And we didn't. And we were the, you know we were the architects of our own downfall. And we again, Lee's absolutely right. We we set the conditions. It was almost like we, for us to fail, it's almost like we couldn't go against the plan, mm-hmm. which is always to run the thing, which is great. But it just reminded me of that time when we played Exeter, when Exeter found us out last season, when they they targeted the breakdown, when the ball went out wide and blokes got isolated. It was like, it's like, uh, for once, let's just do something sensible. Let's, well, let's just kick it long, kick it deep. Just, but we did, we never, we, we barely got out of our half, did we, I think? And, that's my biggest worry is that is that we we it's thinking clearly under pressure but somebody has to step up and do it and it made and this is maybe when Luatua the issue of Luatua did raise its head because Heenan was off and was the captain and he was off so who was stepping up who was in charge of making on-field decisions and I don't know I don't know if anyone was and uh but I just think, you know, there is a leadership group, I guess. And, you know, maybe someone should have said, boys, we've got to keep this tight. We've got to keep it. We've got to keep a few, punch a few forward and then just kick it deep, push them back into their territory. And it didn't happen. I think almost it's that part of the problem that you've got a leadership group. Mm. Yeah. You know, do you need a leader on that pitch? Not a leadership group. Someone yeah. to take it by the scruff of the neck, to be vocal, but, to to yeah. To really get people fired up, Lee, I think you wanted to make. A point. Yeah, no, actually, I mean, you've just stolen a bit of my thunder there, Tony. I was going to say the same thing, but I mean, we've we've got Sheedy on the pitch now. Sheedy should, in my eyes, Sheedy should be the guy. He is part of the leadership group. He's been part of the leadership group for two or three years now, and for me, he should be the one that's saying to that side, right, let's stick the ball up the jumpers. You know what I mean? Let's keep the ball in hand just let the forwards keep the ball keep the ball keep driving keep driving wear the clock down and then we go again when we've got you know all the players back on the pitch for me Sheedy has got to take a big massive blame for that I think he needs to stand up put his shoulder head and shoulders above the rest and go right I'm the man yeah I mean Sheedy looked again looked good in the first half he was mixing things up but then it was like almost the rabbit in the the, the headlights I think he finished uh, if if I'm right the stats um, I think he he had something like he made two metres on six carries so he made about the length of a ruler on each each carry um, and you know I think on the commentary they were saying 
everybody knows he's going to pass. You yeah. know, he, he, you know, you compare with Marcus Smith, who is just exceptional, an exceptional player. Um, but he's just a bit like some our tactics. He's become very predictable, predictable yeah. and um, and and teams have sussed it. Having said that, Pete. How good were Harlequins in that second half? We shouldn't take anything away from them. Should no, we? we shouldn't. And I and I think we have to. It it was it was a it was a great uh, exhibition of of running rugby uh, by them, and and a great exhibition of how you how you exploit space and how you make possession count, and how you how you transition from getting the ball and uh, you know uh, getting the turnover and then going forward and I think we, you know it was in a kind of bizarre sad sort of uh, um, um, sadistic sort of way I was quite enjoying watching some of those mm. tries go in because it was almost uh, I was actually now thinking about England rather than Bristol I was thinking I want to see I want to see Smith start for England I want to see Don Brandt start mm. for England I actually wouldn't mind seeing Liner have a go for England yeah, because yeah. I can see taking the Bears hat off and putting the England cap on We've got some serious talent. Um, and the so, fullback, what's he called? Tyrone Green. Tyrone Green. Yeah, he's South African. Yeah, so don't put him in. Yeah, no, don't put him in. Well, yeah. Eddie but, James Moyen. I mean, this just takes me a, a point I was going to make, actually, I wrote down earlier. And, and uh, you know, Tyrone Green, in a way, showed up Charles Piertow again a little bit. Uh, Charles Piertow was good. You know, he did, he did everything, but he didn't do anything again. Like, when we need someone to step up. And Tyrone Green is just, you know, he just showed him up again. I, I just think because he's got a kind of a freedom. He seemed to play with a bit of a freedom, a bit of a um, je ne sais quoi. And, uh, kind of out of Africa. Out of Africa. And uh, he backs himself big time, doesn't he? Mm. Uh, so fair play to the lad. Yeah, absolutely. Like the cut of his jib, got to say. <laughs> he's got a very fine jib and Lee one of the th- statistics for me that is is worrying and I want to come to you to see if you think this is a uh, you know are we just not fit enough that we've had four rounds now of the premiership and apart from the bath game we have failed to score a single point in three out of those four games you know yeah. we have not got anything registered on the scoreboard uh, is it because we're not fit enough? Is it because the bench isn't good enough? Why are we not scoring in the second half? Yeah, I, I do think it is definitely the lack of preseason for us. Um, I mean, you know, if if players get an injury and they miss a preseason, that's the biggest time that they need to put in the shift is preseason. If they put in the hours preseason, then they go into the season, you know, all guns blazing, don't they? So. I think every team's done it and we didn't and I and I think we are struggling and I think a, a, another thing is we're getting these niggly um, you know injuries in the warm-ups and stuff now we never had that before now again you could say is that is that another point in question of why are we getting these little niggles now we shouldn't be getting those after you know round four of the season um, and we do look completely off the pace I mean I mean, I've got on my my ratings here. I mean, I know you guys just said you know hard and you know played okay in Perth, but I've got no one in my eyes here above seven. Now, 
I've got players here who are actually way below that, and and I think they are just off the pace. Well, let, let, let's talk about individuals in a moment. I, it was interesting looking at the stats on the Premiership Rugby website because if you look at the stats, you almost you think, how can the scoreboard hmm. reflect this? You know, we had fifty five percent possession, we had forty nine percent territory. We made 107 tackles. They made 163. It's only when you get to the metres, you know, they made just over 700. We made just over 400. But, you know, you look at those stats. We we weren't being dominated. They just executed brilliantly when they needed to. And, you know, I don't think we got anywhere near their try line in the second half, did we, Pete? No, no, apart from that, you know, 46 minutes or whatever with Adi Loken. And as I said before, that was that was it. That was that was the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's hard to compute, really, why that is. And the trouble is, the one thing we do know for sure is it happened at Wasps as well. So that's, that's mm. pretty much twice it's happened. Mm. I think we can discount the Saracens game as a a bit of an anomaly regardless of whether we think it was pre-season rustiness or not because that was just a different kettle of fish but yeah I mean we did look dead on our feet as well which and mm. and you know I don't know whether that's momentum momentum adrenaline that Harlequins had that kept them going but we didn't look like we are an 80 minute team at all and we, we you know and our bench was ineffective when it came on again, but again, you know, perhaps they came on when when the game was lost anyway. Game, game so it's hard lost. to. Yeah. But I think I think it just just goes back to we just you know the system is the solution, but clearly the system wasn't the solution in the second half on Friday as it wasn't in the semi final, and I just think we need to we need to be positive about all the really good stuff that happened when we when it clicked and it was champagne rugby and we looked yeah. the forwards were, were brilliant the backs were brilliant you know everything was working but why it can't carry on mm. and what we don't seem to be able to do is be able to wrestle back momentum when we lose it and now i don't know how you train how you do that how do you train uh players to kind of know how to wrestle back momentum but that was really the problem we had lee yeah, and I think is there a is there a point of question to saying like are we overanalyzing things? Because yeah. you know, like Peter's just said, we had this against Wasp, didn't we? It was it was almost identical. Taking the Saris game aside, but I know they spend a lot of time, don't they, going over the um, analyzing the game again and again and again. Is are we thinking too much about this? I mean. You know, if we're not learning things and yet we're still putting in all those hours of analysing, yeah. where, where, you know, how much more can you do? You know, it's like, you know, you you can't, sometimes you, if you can overanalyze things, you can't see the wood through the trees, can you? And, and I think we're getting a little bit lost up in things here. And I think the basics that we've mentioned are things that we don't do. We don't keep the ball, you know. When Chidi's pressured... We end up throwing out passes that shouldn't really be thrown out, and but these are basics. You can't overanalyze those things. They're they're things that should happen naturally if you stick to a game plan, which we don't seem to do. We we or we do, and it's or, the, yeah. it, it's an ineffective uh, against the opposition. Well, let's talk about some of the players then. Um, Pete, let me come to you first. If you you maybe look at the forwards, um, the, we lost. It was a heavy defeat, but 
I don't know if anybody really played mm. that badly in the forwards. Yes, yeah. some tackles were missed, some heads went down, but front row held its own. I mean, Marla and Sinclair had a right old ding dong. Yeah. Your thoughts? Yeah, I thought oh, the set piece was was solid. You know, as Mike Miles would say. <laughs> uh, yeah, we 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 the scrums we we were we were fine. Line out. We we have any problems with the line out. I mean, the only problem with the line out was that in the first half we 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 had some attacking line outs that we didn't convert into points. But you know you can't expect that to happen all the time. Um, and it's it's yeah, you know it's, they were. I think the problem was in the second half. It was it was the breakdown. And I mean you have to look at. Did did Quinns change their tactics a little bit? Did they did they adapt to what was going on better than we did? And did they did they uh, did they enforce or did they create the situation where you know we didn't we lost our kind of domination? And um, you know maybe as we as we're tiring, this is when you don't make those that extra five percent effort or you don't quite make that yard. You don't quite get to the ball first. And there was many opportunity many times in that game where. We were we lost possession through somebody holding on, or it squirting out, or it or it being ripped out, um, and and you you know it's easy to blame the player that's on the ground there, but you know they need their mates around them yeah. to clear out or to be, and and yeah. I mean these are probably very very small little things that can you know if they didn't if if they were rectified it would be a different kettle of fish. So I think we've got to be really. We've got to be careful about being too despondent. We, you know, we're not we're not far off what we were last season, but oh, we can't on. ship forty five points. I was going to say forty five. So it's, it's so hard. It's it's hard. It's, it's almost almost it's very hard to analyse. And also those mistakes, they're they're single mistakes, aren't they? Which yeah. you can't really legislate for, can you? Mm. You can't train for that because they're just individual mistakes. But it's just being that. Yeah, I mean, a bit more on it, so we don't make those silly mistakes. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, looking back, you're saying Ford, yeah, Sinclair, Kerr was great. You know, Jan Thomas was a warrior. Holmes was mo- mobile filth. Joycey was mobile filth. Vui was had as probably his best Top game tackler. he's had. Yeah. Top tackle, a couple of great little. You know, he's he's back to his dependable self. Harding, as we've said, was 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 electric for a lot of it, mm. but just little mistakes and. You know, Heenan was unlucky, I guess, to be carded. I mean, somebody always has to go when that happens. Although, I've got to say, it was 50-50 whether they were... They'd broken out. Anyway, we're not going to go into refing decisions. It is what it is. But it is very difficult to 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 to, to, to understand why, because no one really had a bad game. And in the backs, Lee, um, you know, we, we have really suffered, I think, with the, the injuries and absences in the back. Um... You know, f- from what you saw, well, we're we're missing Luke Morahan, aren't we? I mean, we, we we've yeah. said that right from the start of the season. He's a he's a massive loss for us, and defensively, what he gives us as well. Uh, so that's that's we're always going to miss him. But <clears throat> I don't want to slate Addy Loken too much, but he's he's for me, he's not in the races. Um, he's he's not good enough to to play for Bristol, in my opinion. And I personally can't wait till more hands back um, just to, you know, make things a bit more solid and give us a bit more get-go. I think Piers O'Connor, he isn't the same player without Semi. Yeah. Um, I bet Lou's okay. I think he's growing yeah. back in, in you know, he, he needs a bit of game time. So, um, and I do, I, I agree with Pete. I think Piers needs to step up a little bit and, you know, be one of those leaders on the on the pitch. 
even though he didn't play too badly. So no. Um, and again, I mean, we've already you know spoken about sheets. Again, I mean, the first half he was good, but you 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 know the game's eighty minutes. It's no good having a, a good fifty minutes. You know, mm. you have to play for the full eighty because um, you know otherwise it doesn't really work, does it? Yeah, I mean, I do think that. Yeah, we, this is also symptomatic of us overachieving a little bit last season yeah, as well. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that combination of us losing a, a few key personnel, which every team does, you know, we our, our squad isn't quite as strong as we maybe thought it would be. And and I still think we have to remember we are probably ahead of schedule anyway. We were ahead of schedule last season to get where we got in terms of a kind of five year plan. Although I did joke on Twitter saying, forget about the five-year plan. We don't seem to know what we're going to do in the next five minutes when we're in the second half. But um, So I think we've got to try and get some perspective on this. And this is, and with no relegation, maybe we should take a couple of steps back. Maybe we should give some opportunity for some of these squad players to experience pressure. Because this is what happened players couldn't cope with that pressure with that momentum now you're only ever going to get better by experiencing it and then then figuring it out for yourself and so maybe this is a time for your Toby Fricker to get a go on the wing he is a winger rather than bringing a Yoan Lloyd on the wing he is a winger Uh, Jack Bates is a winger bring you know let them play a few games or put them out there and, and see even not see how they perform but just give them that chance to perform under pressure knowing that there's no kind of jeopardy in the sense of, of relegation mm-hmm. um, and mix it up. But Well, it'd be interesting. We've got the Premiership Rugby Cup coming up, haven't we, in November to see if he starts to blood a few people there. But let's, um, before we go off uh, and look at maybe who might come in for next week, let's round off this weekend. Uh, on a top note, and what a fantastic result this was, for the women's team. Yes. Um, going to... Harlequins and winning 24-5 against the defending champions. Now, I did put a jokey little tweet to our friends at the uh, the Harlequins podcast. This was a little bit of consolation for us. Fabulous result, uh, Lee. And yeah. Five games in, top of the table, 25 points. Yeah, they're absolutely flying, aren't they? And um, I mean, that's the one thing that at least we can take from this weekend, isn't it? The girls are still doing us proud. So yeah. we've still got a bit of positivity. Thank goodness for the, for the women's team. And we've got a Joyce in each team, haven't yeah. we? We've yes. got a Jazz Joyce and a Joe Joyce. Two Who's JJs. the quickest, by the way? Well, uh, this is what I want to see. I want to see a foot race <laughs> over... Watch, well, let's say 20, 25 metres and, and see, see who wins. In, in Joe's yep. case, it would be a foot race. <laughs> yeah, uh, but fantastic result. And I think more and more people are getting interested in the women's game. We had the biggest crowd, I think, uh, ever at the start of the season. And, you know, they're beating the likes of Harlequins, they're beating the likes of... You know, we, yeah. they're not top just by playing some of the weaker teams. They're, they're beating some really good teams. Yeah. So... Uh, Pays well for the season, doesn't it? Incredibly exciting. Right, before we go off this weekend, let's just look at some of the other results. Um, Exeter 42, Worcester 5. Uh, Pete, Exeter have uh, got back in gear now. They've got they've got back, well, they've got back into about fourth gear, haven't they? Yeah, that, that was kind of it. I looked at that result I, and I thought, that's a bit ominous. Back in and they, uh, Simmons was back, wasn't he? And they got their Lions back and... We know, but this is what we've got to aspire to, is being like them, in, you know, in a different way, 
but you know they've had a wobble but they've they've worked their way back but they are a lot further down the the, the development track so but yeah back in the mold and it's good it's good to have them back yeah uh, then we had Gloucester 33 Sale 32 good win for Gloucester but they almost self-destructed and let Sale back in towards the end uh, Lee let me come to you London Irish 16 Leicester 21 looks like Irish might have held on there but to me Leicester are looking like we looked last year playing some nice rugby and actually when the chips are down they can find some points late in the game yeah, totally agree, Tone, but um, I really don't give a damn because I'm, I'm not really interested in what anyone else is doing when we're losing, mate, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sorry, um, Tigers fans. Saracens 37, Newcastle 23. When we hear the preview of the Newcastle game that Pete did, we'll hear a bit more about that, so I don't want to talk too much about that. And then Wasps 26, Northampton Saints 20. Okay... You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans. Four fans were available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, next game uh, comes up Saturday, 16th of October, three o'clock kickoff. Uh, we travel up to Newcastle uh, so Newcastle versus Bristol and um, I realised when I was just making a few rough notes for today's show um, this will be the first game that we haven't seen been able to see the full 80 minutes on TV for over a year is it? yeah wow because obviously the season yeah. kicked off again, didn't it? Was it September-ish time mm. last year? Yeah. Every game's been on TV up to the start of this season, and we've been very lucky to have the first four games on BT Sport. So this will be the first time <laughs> Armchair Bears fans, wherever you are in the world, and we have lots of listeners all around the world, um, yeah. you might not be seeing... So, see, see, we going see. back to 30-minute pods? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. So uh, anyway, before we talk about it, um, let's hear Pete's Premiership pre with our good friends from Folk on Falcons podcast, Philip and Ian. Let's listen to that now. Right, it's great to see you boys. I think we should just get straight into it. So we both lost at the weekend. We're, we're talking on Sunday afternoon. So we, we both had leads. We both lost these leads. Um, I think you were 17 nil up um, and we were 21 up, 21 nil up. So let's get straight into it. Ian, what happened? What happened to you? Well, um, it's a usual Falcons trick of not playing for the whole 80 minutes, um, which may ring true with some of your regular listeners so far this season. Um, as you say, we had a really strong start. At one point, we were 17 3 nil up away to Saracens, which was obviously brilliant. Um, a key point in the game was we got McGuigan Sinbind, and in that period, they took full advantage. So the Sinbind came for a penalty try which got them back into it. And then just before McGuigan came back on, they took, again, full advantage and got their second try. Um, so they really kind of put us to the sword in that 10 minutes at the end of the first half. Um, having said that, when Maitland was simbined early on in the first half, we took advantage. That's obviously how we got into our 17-3 lead with two really, really well-taking tries from Brown on his debut. Nice to see him getting a try and putting in a really stellar performance. And uh, Stevenson, who 
we've been commenting has actually been pretty quiet in his change of position to centre this season, but finished really, really well and skinned Farrell to dive in for the corner. And things look good at halftime. And this season, we've actually started games really well and looked really positive and strong in the first half. But the flip side of that is in the second half, we do tend to lose grip a bit. We struggle to score points for some reason. Second half, even when we win, we often race into leads like against Bath and then just don't score any points at all. And they're sort of hanging on with for dear life in the second half. We started to do this box kicking, which we'd actually stopped doing this season and seemed to work well. But I don't know if it was a definite change of plan or deliberate change of plan rather or just running out of ideas but we started to kick it more to them which didn't help us at all um, and they just sort of strangled the game out of us especially in the forwards and our forwards have been really strong this season and it just shows how good Saracens are penalty count went through the roof you know you could say this that about the referee and there's perhaps some valid reasons for that but we didn't help ourselves for at least half of those and started to get some enforced errors, sort of silly knock-ons and, you know, putting foot into touch where there was plenty of space to knock to and this sort of type of thing, which sort of affected our flow. And eventually, as I say, Saracen's just kind of strangled the life out of us. It, yes, what you say sounds, sounds strangely familiar, I've got to say. Box kicking and then suddenly losing the game, having seemed to be playing quite well. But um, yeah, I mean, Saracen's are back. There's no doubt about it, is there? But Philip, uh, obviously, Bristol had a bit of a mare Friday night. Um, I don't know whether you you saw it, but you may you obviously have seen the result. Um, I mean, do you does this give you confidence for next Saturday, or are you worried that there might be a bit of a a bit of a bear's backlash? When I, when you say am I, am I confident, I think that because of the way the two games panned out quite differently, I think that um, what's encouraging is that Bristol, obviously, we all know you can score tries, but you also let a game go and there's obviously a style of play that you can't cope with and if we manage to try and emulate what Harlequins do by keeping it quick playing the right tempo then we might cause a few problems but then at the same time given the way that we kind of self-inflicted the defeat on us with our terrible discipline and bit of brainless game management it makes you wonder whether we've got the wherewithal to be able to to do that against you guys um, I think that it'll certainly be close to the first half hour or so and it could be whoever's winning after the first half hour is going to throw it away and the other one will end up winning the game. Or it might be that um, the, it's close to the first half hour and then someone pulls away with it in the second half. I think it's um, possibly that the latter will happen. It might be the all squad depth comes through a bit. Um, but yeah, t- we, we shall see. I just wanted to ask you about a couple of your players. Um, maybe Ian, I'll come back to you again. I mean, obviously, I remember you talking about Adam Radwan this time last year, and, and you know nobody had really heard from heard of him outside of Newcastle. And you you bigged him up. I mean, he's had a pretty good good year, hasn't he? And um, you know, as he, I, I guess he started he started really well. Um, you know, are you a bit worried though? You might lose him now for for particularly for the Six Nations, or do you think he's only on the fringes of the England squad? <laughs> Yeah, well, we do. We have sort of resigned ourselves to the fact that we are probably going to lose him for England, well, for a long time going forward, really. Um, however, we do have incredible strength and depth on the wings. So actually, ironically, even if he doesn't go, it's yes, of course, it's a, it's a loss. Um, you know, make no mistake about it. But actually, we're really very well covered there. Um, and I think the management has actually sort of taken that into account because we're we're so 
unbelievably strong there that I think even if he didn't play, I don't think it would affect us too badly, which is a strange thing to say, perhaps from a, a, an opposition or, or neutral point of view. Um, but yeah, we are resigned to the fact that he's going to be playing for England, we suspect, for many, many years to come, barring sort of any catastrophic injury or anything like that. And he's a player who's, quite frankly, he's only going to get better. Um, he's had a well, the first two games of the season was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, when you watch rugby enough, you kind of see these sort of once in generation type players, and when they get the ball, you know, it's almost sort of off your seat sort of stuff. You think this is a, this is really really a player. I think the closest equivalent I think of it is perhaps Jason Robinson. You know, he has that sort of effect where as a spectator when you see him, and and he has that effect on the pitch where every time you get he gets the ball, you think something is going to happen here. Um, Funny enough, I say that the last couple of games, Wasps and Saracens actually marked him out the game really well. And we were commenting on our podcast that perhaps we didn't take advantage of that in terms of elsewhere on the pitch and the space that creates. But um, he's he's definitely one for the future and is only going to get better. And I say that, and he, he's brilliant at the moment. So what a play we've got in our hands. Philip, I, I, you wanted to say something. Were you, you kind of agreeing, I think, with the, the marking thing? Yeah, um, the last two games, he's not really been seen at all on the pitch and that is because um, like like Ian says Wasps and Saracens have both marked around the game mm. um, what we should be doing and what we perhaps aren't doing is taking advantage of the fact that he's been marked on the game because there should be space elsewhere um, but we're almost trying to pass it to him at times and expect the, the miracle to come off whereas if we just are a bit more wise then if there's two or three people on him then there'll be only 12 mark and the other 14 on the pitch. There should be overlaps elsewhere. And I think we just need to be a bit cuter in the way we we deal, deal with uh, our attacks and our tactics going forward. Uh, so apart from Adam Radwan, and um, are there any other players that, that our Bears fans need to be worried about? Um, How's Carl Ferns started? Um, so he, he was injured this weekend, or he might just have been part of the squad rotation. You don't really get much news out of uh, the Falcons, but at the minute we've got an extremely strong pack and we've probably got six or seven back rows which could slot into most premiership teams without maybe a back in an eyelid so he's been incredibly strong you know what you're going to get it's going to be route one stuff he's not going to sidestep anyone who's going to go through them but he'll probably do it quite effectively um, I think also in the in the back row uh, Chick's been very strong he's um, more of a ball carrying number eight and he's quite good at offloading it and getting that half yard of space Um Sean Robinson, who's nice plays back row, he's playing second row at the minute. Um, he never puts a foot wrong. Very consistent player. And I think one player that has been around for a long time and perhaps been off the ball for a couple of years, but he's completely back in form now is our captain, Will Welsh. Um, he's had 250 appearances for the club now. And I think this is possibly the, the best string of games I've seen from for a number of years. He's playing open side and um, he perhaps isn't as quick as he once was around the park, but his reading of the game and also his management on the on the pitch and talking to the referee is just what you want from a captain. Um, elsewhere in the forwards, I think they're not going to do anything too amazing, but our front row, Trevor Davison especially, um, is getting a lot of press at the minute, obviously in the England squad. And I think um, an interesting one is George McGuigan, who we've mentioned was Simbin this week, um, and Jamie Blamire, our hookers. Blamire is the one that's getting called up for England, but um, I think that's purely on an age basis because McGuigan's a couple of years older. Um, but McGuigan's the one playing 60 minutes every week and Blamire's only playing 20. Um, so I'd say watch out for those two, particularly at the back of Roland Moore's an open play. They've both got a, a surprising turn of pace for a couple of big lads from the front row. And then one other thing I'd say is um, in the backs, we've got a young winger called Ewan Stevens. 
um, he, he's come across from rugby league uh, from Leeds and he's only about 20 odd but um, he's almost like the next Radwan he's not quite got the same blistering pace but his footwork is um, just second to none and he can cut through a defence and although he doesn't necessarily have the, the raw speed is he's very much the same sort of player where if he gets it in a half a yard of space you don't quite know what's going to happen and when both him and Radwan have been on the same pitch particularly earlier in the season um, it's kept defence's hands very, very full indeed okay, so look we're going to finish off guys um, maybe I'll come to you first Ian put you on the spot what's your prediction for next Saturday so I'm going to be optimistic why not and say we're going to have a narrow win something around about I don't know 27-24 I think we much much more low scoring than perhaps people think it may be, maybe even below 20, so like 17, 14. Not a huge amount of points scored, going to be really attritional. What about you, Philip? I think it depends whether it's going to be a tropical day in the northeast, in which case I think that Bristol will probably end up winning about 30 points to 10. But if it's one of the days where we know that autumn can come in very quickly up there, um, that we'll grind you down, we might win about 20 points to 17 or something like that. Um, I think if, if you get your tails up then it's going to be very hard to stop you but like Ian says our defence has been quite strong yours hasn't so I think it's one of these ones where anything's possible and the conditions may have a big impact on the outcome of the game Well uh, great to hear from the guys again uh, that was a, a very full answer to that question about how they got on against Saracen so I think uh, all our listeners will have a very good view now of, of that but lovely to hear from the guys again and uh, yeah obviously they see a chink of light as far as uh, potentially beating the Bears uh, Pete let me come to you what's Pat going to do to turn this round what what changes are we going to make I think we talked was it one or two pods ago you know do you throw the same players out there and say you sort it out you, you were bad this week or, or does he make even more changes? Are we going to see some some other people come in? I can't see many changes in the pack starting lineup. I, I, I think given the way they started uh, the, the game against Quinns, I, I can't see any reason to drop anybody from that pack unless they've got a, got an injury. Um, unless Pat seems he wants to, unless he wants to hold anyone back for the second half, <laughs> which might be his, his thinking now. Um, I think I think Randall will start again. I just think he gave us that tempo. Um, well, I mean, we could debate whether Sheedy does have a rest. I mean, the only thing I'd say is that we've got the bye week after this, mm-hmm. and maybe Pat might think, well. You know, that's a time for people to reassess and, and kind of review and reflect. So perhaps he won't make too many major changes, given that Newcastle, and there's no disrespect to them, aren't a Harlequins. Um, but I think we've got to go big. We've got to, we've got to expect a real arm wrestle in the forwards. They've got some beasts in there that are going to want, you know, are going to be giving us a load of chirp about what happened against Quinns. And we know that they've got some serious weaponry in their back line with the likes of Radwan. And, and I know the guy said that he'd been marked out of the last two games, but <laughs> I mean, they also pointed out that our defence hasn't been that good recently. So I'm, I'm a bit concerned about getting caught a little bit on the, on the break yeah. and, and people like Radwan taking, taking some opportunities, but I think we just have to, we're away from home. I mean, I, as some of you might know, I went to university at Newcastle. I know how windswept it can be up there in Pontina and like. And uh, if it is a bad day, if it's a bad day, as Philip said, it, it could be a leveller. And uh, 
I think I think the Bears will be hoping for a, a decent weather, I've got to say. Yeah, and it's a, it's a plastic pitch, isn't it? So yeah. often good for good for running rugby. Lee, your thoughts. What, where, where do you think we'll see changes, if any? Well, I mean, we don't know anything about Luatua yet, do we? The injury and, and how long he possibly might be yeah. out for. I mean, obviously he would come in, in my eyes, if, if, uh, if he is fit, um, he'd come into eight. And I think... Possibly then Harding would drop drop out. I'm just wondering how far away is Atwood now? Because if, he, if we need a bit of grunt, as Peter just said, to face Falcons up front, and obviously Atwood gives us a, the grunt. I would I would look at bringing Big Dave back in. Um, and I mean, you could there there is a case you could say maybe switch Vili back into the second row and then bring Harding in. Because um, he can play six, seven, or or eight, can't he? And I think that the guys, you know, he's one of the better players this week. And mm. I think to drop him would be pretty pretty harsh. Um, what do we do on the wing? <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, I totally agree with Pete. I think that you know they've got two speedy wingers, Falcons, and I'm not sure how the Lokens up to the task of of stopping any of them. Um, and I, I, do you know what? I would, I would say my. I don't think Pat will do this, but Sheedy for me, I would give Lloyd a little chance at ten. I'd stick Lloyd in and just say, look, you know, he can't do any worse than a shellacking that we've already had last week. Sorry ah. to use your phrase, Pete, but um, I to say it. I and, yeah, to and, say and, it. and why not try something different? Why not try something different? That's interesting. I mean, one of the things for me is how far John Afoa, I think he might be touch and go for, for this game. Um, and again, if you look at leadership and, you know, knowing what it takes to win, um, I just wonder, you know, if he is fit, part of me thinks have him on the bench so he can come on for Sinclair and just add that extra pressure on their scrum in the last 20 minutes. The flip side of that is... You know, if if he isn't quite right, why why risk him for this game when we know we're going to have a bye week? So, um, you know, I'm sure sure they'll make absolutely the right decision. Um, yes, we we've got problems on on that wing, haven't we? On the left wing, I think Purdy is is absolutely solid. Um, I can't see them dropping Sheedy. Um, not not for this week. Um, I just I just wonder. And I, I honestly don't think this is going to happen, but I, I just wonder whether you 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 would keep Randall, Sheedy, Purdy on uh, on his wing, um, keep Bedlow in the centre because I think he is progressing. Um, but then I don't know, maybe put Charles Pietau in at thirteen, shift O'Connor to the wing, uh, and then yet yeah, Yine Lloyd play at fullback. Um, I just wonder whether that will give us a bit more solidity across the line. Um, but I honestly don't think Pat would do that. I don't. I think no. I don't know if it's written into Pietau's contract that he plays at fifteen no. or he doesn't play. But um, to make a few more tackles if he was at thirteen. Yeah, I just I just don't know what else we can do. Leu. No. There's no, he's not up to it. He's a, a winger whose legs are starting to go. Yeah. No disrespect, I've loved watching him play. Uh, he, he, you know, coming on for ten minutes at the end is fine, but 
you know, I don't think he's an out and out centre. Um, I don't know where else we go in the centres. Pete, I don't know if you've no. got any thoughts. No, I, I, I'm with you, Tony. I think I can't really see any other combination than Bedloe O'Connor. And I think maybe it's a good thing that they have another go. You know, they, they, you know, they haven't been. They've had. They've got to learn. You learn by by playing. You learn, and Bedlow particularly. I think we give him a run because you know we met. We we're going to need him. I, th- I think that's fair for Bedlow. Absolutely, and Connor, but and Connor. You know, he played every minute, hadn't he? Yeah. The, the Premiership up till about three quarters of the way through. He's been there. He's done it. He's had the success. And we've talked about you know without Sami Ranrandra. Um, you know, do, 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 do you not? You're not getting those little flips and the glory to to go in for the tries. But he's looked a shadow yeah. of, the, of, of the the player from last season. Bedlow can play at ten as well. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I just, uh, I, I get nervous about putting players who don't normally play in positions in a position they don't normally play. So mm. I know O'Connor played wing last season a couple of times, but I'd be I just think we need to get a solid setup where we've got people doing who in positions and they know what their jobs are. They've just got to go out and do them. And O'Connor has just got to go out and do his job. And Bedlow's got it. and if you stick someone on the wing who is a winger, and it maybe it is somebody we bring in. Because Adi Loken has, you know, he's had a couple of chances and fair play to the boy, you know, he's, he's stepped up and he's done his best. But if, you know, we have got other wingers and it, it may be now time to put someone out, but somebody who knows how to play on the wing rather than stick somebody who's kind of goodish. But mm. it smacks of, you know, you know, for those fat people that care about football in the old days of, of uh, the England football team, where it was about getting the, the best 11 players in England somewhere on the pitch. And it, it never works in my yeah. eyes. So, you, you could be it's an interesting thought Tony but I'd, I'd, I'd be very surprised but you know I'd say it's like Lee at Chepstow it's a 28 to 1 outsider but it might be worth putting a bit of money on and we're always surmising all these yeah. you know, scenarios aren't we because we're, yeah. not, we're not playing very well yeah, yeah. Um, and um, let's let's hope that Brocklebank isn't uh, playing and mm. uh, looking for yeah. another cheap shot on, on Sheedy now one of the, the things I think it was in the post and we know there is uh, injury money within the cap. You can call on players, I think, if they're going to be out for more than 12 weeks. And obviously, we know Semi's out for 16. Speculation about Pat trying to find a centre to come in. I'll come to Lee first and then you, Pete. Lee, is there going to be anybody worth bringing in at this time in the season? that is either not just being released by a club because maybe they're not cutting it or, you know, we have to ship someone in from abroad. Do you, do you think Pat's going to go out and fill the gap? Well, <clears throat> when you say centre, I mean, don't forget, we've got Frisch on the on the bench as well, haven't we? Yeah, and by all accounts, I mean, he's been tearing up trees. So, you know, it's just a, another name that we could put in. So I, I, maybe, you know, possibly Pat is looking at options, but then... I think that, you know, every good coach would always be looking at options, whether they, mm. you know, they were available to them or not, wouldn't they? I mean, that's part of part and parcel of the job. But, um, you know, that's, like I say, I mean, we forgot about Frisch until we yeah. just mentioned him now. I mean, it, it's another option, isn't it? Well, he was on the bench for the Wasp, Bath, game. No, Bath game, wasn't yeah. he? So he's obviously close. He mm. wasn't on the bench for this one. So, yeah. 
Any thoughts, Pete, about yeah. who uh, who we well, might entice for a, a little? He's a few done months? some research, hasn't well, he? Tony, a smirk. Yeah. Well, Tony. Well, based on what I read in the post, which is not rocket science, I think it was mentioned the fact that Pat might you know go southern hemisphere to to look for an emergency cover, and of course the Japanese, whatever it's called, J. No, it's not called J League. Whatever it's mm. called, the, the J League doesn't start until February which means that there could be a few players available. So I had a quick little look, a uh, little scan of some of the squads, and I, I came up with a little list of basic players. Um, ba- my, my criteria was they had to be Kiwis, because <laughs> I suppose Pat might know something about them, and uh, came up with a bloke that I'd mentioned before. I seem to remember about two years ago we were discussing possible signings, and I mentioned this guy's name, and... It was never, we never heard anything about him at all. But anyway, um, I thought that uh, that young uh, chap called Ryan Crotty, uh, Kiwi, uh, all black, former all black, playing down in Japan, seemed to fit the bill. Uh, Maybe, I don't know whether Pat knows him or not. But there was another interesting name that I saw, which was Bernard Yancey van Rensburg, which I assume is the brother of Johan Rensburg, whatever he's called. So maybe uh, maybe we could do what Sale do and get a bit of South African filth in just for a, uh, a few a few months. Um, and also Hadley Parks is playing down in Japan. The old you know the guy that uh, I mean he's a Kiwi anyway, isn't he? Played yeah. for Wales. Um, and of course Bowden Barrett does as well. But I think uh, he might be otherwise uh, disposed in the in the engaged in the autumn <laughs> internationals. But no, I mean joking aside, there are one or two players that I guess are hanging around waiting for the J League to start and might be tempted for a little might trip want a, over might to want a bit of pre-season training <laughs> trip over to sunny to sunny Bristol for a, for a little bit of a, a bit of how's your father in the center well let's let's see well let's have our predictions then um Pete uh let's go to you first Newcastle versus Bristol what's the score well, I was I was on the uh, little chat with the the Falcon Falcon Falcons boys. I did one back for them as well for their podcast, and I think I said twenty fifteen to Bristol. Okay, uh, Lee, I'm going to give you the honour of not only giving me your prediction, but if you could give me one for Miles, because I know you're you're on a very similar wavelength. <laughs> well, funny you should say that, Tim, because Miles actually just rang me through as yeah. we were doing the pod here, and. Um, and he's gone for something quite outrageous, as Miles tends to do in uh, in his absence. He's gone for a, a nil-nil again. An- another nil-nil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what about you then? Are you are you seeing a, f- a few more points than Miles? Uh, a few more points, but but still quite quite tight. And I think it's going to be twenty-one eighteen to Bristol. Okay. And. Uh... I really don't know how to call this one. I don't know if we are going to see a Bears bounce back or whether, you know, Newcastle are going to really see this as an opportunity. They've, you know, watched the tapes and and, and saw how to play against us. And I think there's more pressure on this game than normal as well, because Mm -hmm. if, if we lose it, you know... To go into that break, uh, played played five, lost four, one yeah. one. Um, I I am going to go for the uh, narrowest of wins. 
I'm going to go for 24-23 to Bristol. <laughs> so that means we're going to be panicking all the way through another 80 minutes. Yeah. I, I, I think we probably will. And looking at the round five games, we've got Sale versus Harlequins. That could be a uh, an interesting one to see how those two opposing philosophies of playing rugby uh, uh, come out. Uh, we've got Wasps-Exeter, uh, Worcester versus Leicester, um, Bath Saracens. Let's hope Saracens do uh, do something on Bath because uh, regardless of the Newcastle result, that should keep us off the bottom. Uh, and Irish versus Gloucester. And if there's anyone that's going to be a, a score fest, I think that would probably that's be that one. one because I don't think either are particularly good in, in defence. Uh, okay, moving along now. Um, I think we've touched on it before, but... Uh, it was an interesting... I, I read an article somewhere. I can't remember where it was now. But I think it's either six or seven of the Premiership teams this season have ditched their programmes. Now, Lee, I know this is something very dear to your heart. Um, and I think it was something like 2,000 programmes cost around £4,000 to uh, to produce. So it's it's like the core cost is £2 a programme. Um can you feel a Bears Beyond the Gate campaign to try and get paper programmes back? Yeah, I think so, Tony. I mean, we, obviously, we've put a couple of little things out, haven't we, on our on Twitter, um, you know, me personally. And, you know, I've had quite a, a lot of response from, from supporters from different clubs, uh, which I've been quite pleased with. And I, I do think there's there's definitely momentum in, in getting this thing swinging a little bit because... We all, I, I, I know, like I'm speaking for me personally, and I, I don't want to go on about it again. But, but programs for me, they're an historical document of, you know, not not just the game itself, but it could be anything that's happened during a game. It could be an away day, you know, and, and that's your document there. And I think they're so vital to to people that that kind of collect programs like myself. I've got thousands at home. Mm. Um, not just rugby, football, you know, American football, loads. And I do think that it would be such a shame if we lost the programmes. And I think, yeah, let's let's get something going. Let's try and let's try and get this back. I mean, what were they three three fifty last time we something were like that, I think, yeah. Most fans wouldn't, you know, wouldn't bat an idea to paying kind of three fifty four quid for a program. And you know, I think yeah, let's let's get it going. It's it's definitely a worthy cause, I'd say. And we we saw they did the magazine, the digital magazine, which basically, uh, Pete, you know, it was just a load of pictures and, and fluff, yeah. really. You think from a commercial perspective as well, the fact that you're sponsoring a player or you're sponsoring the game and that you've got that mention in the programme. And OK, if only two or three thousand people buy a programme, at least it's giving those commercial partners a bit bit more exposure. What What are your thoughts, you know? Have we still got a role for paper programmes in this day and age or should it go digital but be much better than the, the, the effort that was done at the start of this season? Well, if you're going to replace something with something else, the something else has got to be much better. Yeah. And clearly that's not. So let's, that's, that's sorted. Um, I don't really understand why we can't produce. It's just a, it's a, it's a, a simple kind of business formula isn't it I mean you work out how much it's going to cost you, or you figure out how many you think you're going to sell 
and then you 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 print it. You know, you figure out how much it costs to print that many, and then you you charge what you need to get it back. I don't I don't really buy it as a kind of oh you know post COVID yeah. financial issues. It's it's a zero sum game to me. You know, you you don't try and make money out of it, and but you if you've got any business sense, you, you you don't make you don't make a loss out of it either. So I find it extraordinary. Just seems a little bit. Well, there's obviously something around the clubs because as we've pointed out there's like seven I don't know whether this is coming down from somewhere else that you know clubs or clubs are just being you know in the past they've 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 been told they've got to do this and they, they've kind of felt that now the, the lockdown sort of took this away I'm, I mean I'm not a massive program collector like Lee is but I, I 100% support what he's saying it it is they are documents they're they're historical social documents and um and and it just seems like even without there's been no explanation. There's no. been no kind of justification for this. Even if there was a justification, say, look, guys, you know, we, we've got a lot of things here. We're juggling a lot of stuff. We just can't do it at the moment. Okay, you may not agree with it, but at least you've got the courtesy of, of a kind of understanding. And then we take it from there. And, and what about the kids as well? I mean, I'm just talking about myself personally. I'm a middle-aged guy, but, you know, the kids, when, when you were a kid, so you get a programme, you you might have been at West Ham, um, Southampton, me at Spurs. And you got your program there, and you call the players over, don't you? You know, before mm-hmm. the, you know, before the game, and they sign your program, and you've got that. It's, it's you know, you've got their autographs, and fans still, young youngsters still do that now, you know. But they're not given that opportunity with a, a digital platform. Or they sign my tablet for me, please. We've got an Apple pen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, maybe there's a gap in the market. Maybe bears the on the gate fanzine, you know, oh. that, uh, that 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 get published. Why not? You know, we've got I've the, got, they've got the filthy rig that, uh, you I, know, is growing in strength. I've got access to a photocopier at school. <laughs> and if um, you press the right buttons, it even staples it for you as well. And we can even, yeah. get, we can even get miles on your push bike and get them posted out, can we, in PS3? Tony's the marketing communications <laughs> manager. I'm edit- editorial. Lee, you're out there. <laughs> miles is selling it on his bike. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Well, you know, there we go. Could, could we have... Bears Beyond the Gate fanzine, eh? Hey, well, imagine that. I tell you what, given the success of our uh, 10 minute tune, I think we should do it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we. Uh, Let's yeah. go for our second epic yeah, fell in, in a couple fell. of weeks. But, but in all seriousness, if let us know what you think. Get uh, If you're yeah. on the Twitter or on our Facebook page, post a message and let us know what you think. Because it, it would be fascinating to know. Do you think programs are a thing of the past and it's digital 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 now or are they something that should should be saved and it is that golden record of a game the memories um and, and all those things that you know uh, can just be re-sparked in your imagination and your mind when when you see a program so it'd be fantastic to to know that um gotta say before we finish um we, we had him on the show last week, Toby, with his mum, Claire, that's doing this fantastic charity event. Um, and he's got some great coverage as well. And I think Andy Good um, put a, a Twitter post out on Friday and the money's rolling in. But the lad has committed to run a kilometre for every <coughs> point we concede. And we conceded 52. Now, that is a marathon plus a 10K. Yeah. That he's got to do on this top week. of what he's already been, you know, doing in the last few weeks as well. Yeah, I just think he's got a foot spot in there, Tony. Well, to- Toby, if you're listening, we wish you all the best, and please, please, please 
don't feel too bad if you don't knock those kilometres off. The Bears are going to have a rest week and I can guarantee that they won't concede any points <laughs> in a couple of weeks' time. So maybe you just need to spread it out over the next two or three weeks. But it's a, it's fantastic what you're doing, Toby. But I can imagine your face when you saw that 50-second point go up um, on uh, on Friday night. Maybe that's why Miles went for the nil-nil draw. He was thinking about Toby. Yeah, yeah there we are. Um, could, could, could well be. Well, that's just about it for, for this week. Just to let our listeners know that... Um, Next week's podcast will be out uh, a little bit later than normal. Uh, and I've got to hold my hand up. I'm not around on Sunday to record because I, I am going to watch Miami Dolphins play the nice. Jacksonville Jaguars at White Hart Lane. So uh, I, I won't be back in time. So I think we're going we're gonna to record Monday evening. So uh, look out for the show probably the early hours of Tuesday morning um, but we will be a day later than normal so sorry to disappoint anyone um, well that's it for this show if you like what you've heard please subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your favourite podcast platform we'll be back next week with our review of the Newcastle match until then goodbye stay lucky and come on Briz. Come on Briz